Hello and welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher and I'm here talking with my dad, Robert Robb, who is writing on Substack. You can find his writing on robertrobb.substack.com. On today's episode, topic is President Joe Biden, his domestic policy, and whether we can detect any discernible governing philosophy from from Biden and and the Democrats, um, and you know what what the last year and a half, a little over a year and a half of of uh, Joe Biden's administration tells us about where the Democratic Party uh, is right now. So, so some of the some of the items uh, on the on the domestic policy agenda, um, we saw the uh, American Rescue Act. Uh, which um, has been criticized. This is the sort of the last phase of the COVID uh, relief. Uh, been criticized as, as being inflationary, but but you've written and others have pointed out that uh, you know it's kind of a continuation on the Trump era COVID COVID spending. Um, but then we also saw um, the bipartisan infrastructure uh, law. Uh, we saw a modest uh, bipartisan gun reform bill. That strengthened background checks, uh, amongst uh, other other modest uh, policy goals. Um, we saw just recently, last last week, maybe a couple of weeks ago, the the you know so-called Inflation Reduction Act that was more like a healthcare cost plus energy, uh, clean energy bill plus tax enforcement. Uh, and now, just this week, we saw a, a move to uh, attempt to cancel some some student student debt. So, how would you characterize Biden's governing style so far, at least when it comes to uh, his domestic agenda? Is there any pattern here? How would you how would you describe it so far? It's a pattern that's consistent with Joe Biden's entire career. I mean, he's a Democrat. He has general liberal instincts, um, but he uh, doesn't have um, any discernible uh, deep convictions about specific policy issues. And so he has, through his entire career, pretty well located himself wherever the center of gravity was within the Democratic Party. Uh, the best illustration of that is uh, Joe Biden in crime. Uh, during the Clinton years, uh, when the Democrats wanted to demonstrate that they were uh, anti-crime, tough on crime, uh, Joe Biden championed the legislation uh, that they uh, enacted in order to demonstrate that political point and adopt that policy. Um, you move forward to the presidential election of 2020. Uh, the Democrats are in favor of defunding the police. Uh, they're against mass incarceration. Uh, and that's where Joe Biden is. Um, so it's, that's been consistent. So when Joe Biden, Joe Biden ran sort of a bifurcated campaign in 2020. On the one hand, he was saying, Hey, I'm I'm your Uncle Joe. I'm your safe uh, option uh, to uh, crazy Donald Trump. Uh, I'm the moderate. I'm the centrist. I can cut deals across. I'm I can be bipartisan. 
But on the other hand, he ran on a, a platform uh, that he negotiated uh, with Bernie Sanders, uh, which was more Sanders than centrist. Uh, and he has, he has tried to govern not from the center of gravity of the country, which is, I think, what the country was hoping for, but the center of gravity of the Democratic Party. And the center of gravity of today's Democratic Party is woke progressivism. Uh, so you have seen him uh, adopt uh, the woke agenda in terms of identity politics. Uh, you've seen him adopt the progressive agenda in terms of economics and social welfare spending. Um, however, the, <laughs> the public uh, elected a 50-50 Senate. Um, so you, you have had this disconnect between what, what Biden has proposed based upon the center of gravity of woke progressivism within the Democratic Party and then watching that consistently falter uh, on the floor of the U.S. Senate uh, because um, that's not what the American people voted for. Well, do you think the... Do you think the center of gravity is shifting with with the Democrats at all? I mean, I don't think I don't from what I'm seeing, I don't I don't it seems like they've backed off the defund the police stance. I think every every Democrat is sort of uh you know, almost turn turn the page on on that stance and you know, these Passing these bi these bipartisan bills, even though after the infrastructure law, uh, they they immediately tried to pivot and and the progressives tried to hold hostage, uh, you know, the law in order to get the build back better. Um, but but it got but it got pared down and and I guess the the student maybe the student debt issue is probably maybe a, a, another clear example of Joe Biden you know, giving a nod to that other, the other side of the coin of the, of the Democratic Party right now. Um, but even with, I don't know, with, with primaries and things, it seemed, to me, it seems like the, the party is moving in a more moderate direction, maybe to try to bring in um, independents and, and, and even Republicans to try to win up in, up in 2022. Do you see the center of gravity shifting in the Democratic Party uh, more towards a moderate direction? Is it is it becoming a party that, you know, someone that is more moderate and, you know, maybe even conservative can even think about supporting or having having hope that they're becoming the big tent party that that can that can encapsulate where the center of the country is? I, I don't. And in, in the abandoning the the defund the police um rhetoric and, and movement was simply a recognition of political reality. I mean, that, that became disastrous for, for Democrats, and, and so they have uh, backed off it. But if you look at the overall agenda, uh, it uh, remains uh, very much embedded in um, more um, Bernie Sanders than centrism. Now you do ha you have had moments um, in which um, the center in in the Senate has asserted itself, um, but those weren't efforts uh, that have been led by 
Joe Biden. He's accepted them and tried to take credit for them, but they aren't what he proposed. It's what got whittled down from what he proposed, based in significant part by the efforts of our own uh, Kirsten Sinema. Uh, um, certainly, Mark Kelly is trying to run again, like of the kind of Democrat that you described. Um, he's helped in that by uh, the um, pure Trumpism of uh, the Republican nominee. Um, but I, but but you still have, uh, even though Kirsten Cinema has been more responsible than probably any other individual for the legislative successes that Joe Biden has achieved, uh, and she is still under threat to be primaried. Uh, and uh, what she did with the uh, re fictitiously named uh, Inflation Reduction Act um, has inflamed uh, the left to go after her in a primary uh, again, even though what she was able to negotiate um, may very well have saved the country from a serious recession given the Democrats an even bigger economic problem than they currently have in the midterms, uh, and resulted in a bill passing uh, that does get the federal government into the business of negotiating Medicare prescription drugs, uh, does uh, uh, sustain and, and extend the increased Obamacare subsidies, uh, that has very aggressive uh, subsidies for clean energy. Um, so she was able to allow that to pass uh, when big, big Build Back uh, Better absolutely collapsed and failed. Uh, and for her effort, she's being threatened with a primary again. I, that doesn't strike me as a party that's that's moving more towards the center despite having run into the butts of trying to defund the police. But isn't that maybe just the whole country moving away from this idea of conservative economic policy? I mean, there's, I know, I know Kirsten Cinema, and you, and you wrote about this, uh, that she's trying to be pro-business and in, in her, you know, you say she's not a true um, supply sider in, in terms of believing that, uh, tax cuts and 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 uh, where corporate investment is going to is going to build tax revenue uh, overall by building economic growth. Um, so, you, so you don't think she truly believes that? You 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 more think that she is trying to present herself as pro business and to maybe capture that centrist mode, but it doesn't seem like either. I mean, the Republican Party has pretty much abandoned that idea, right? I mean, the populism is even even though in the Trump in the Trump presidency they did they did pass that kind of a of a tax cut, but it seems like everyone it seems like the energy of the Republican Party is against that whole philosophy, and it's more about um, even even big government republicanism of of. Um, Aggressively, aggressively pursuing your enemies um, and, and using the government uh, to do that. I don't, I don't see a lot of co co favorable business or corporate 
policy coming out of the Republican Party right now. So is 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 Kirsten Cinema just in this never never land of like of of uh, advocating for a constituency or or making a decision for a, a business constituency when the reality is they're really it's really just not that popular uh in, you know in general. I mean just no, one more quick example is Arizona voted on a progressive tax increase to to fund education. So is this um is that is that a, I guess the question is is this actually a sign of the Democratic Party being out of the mainstream or is it the case of you know we're just moving on from those policy perspectives. Well it, it's certainly true that that free market economics isn't uh, doesn't have the same purchase in the Republican Party that it used to, um, or the same commitment. Uh, and it's certainly true that that the Republicans under Trump were big spenders. Uh, most of the COVID relief money was um, approved when Republicans were in charge and Trump was in the White House. And it's certainly true that Republicans um, rediscover the virtue of fiscal conservatism in terms of government spending, principally when they're in opposition, not, not when they're governing. Um, but uh, except on uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, Cinema uh, has had a coalition of uh, Democrats and Republicans uh, that have crafted, for example, the infrastructure bill and some of the other bipartisan successes. Um, so uh, I do think that 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 she has been response to the extent that Democrats can say, here are things that we accomplished. Um, Kirsten Cinema has been more responsible for that than Joe Biden. But she could have uh, she could she could have done that same thing, but then St stuck more with the party line on this specific issue of supply side, which which you thought would have thrown the country into a into a, a into a recession. So, from your perspective, she saved the country, you know, from a recession. So, but who does that? Does, does she think that? Does she think that's what she did? Do you think? I mean, I, I don't. Um, she, I, I, I believe that she legitimately is pro-business. I don't think it's an act. Um, and pro-business is not synonymous with free market economics. They're, they're more than willing to um, uh, get their fair share of government favoritism. That's, that's illustrated by the subsidy for the um, uh, computer chip manufacturers that she also was part of negotiating the final product that actually produced legislation that was enacted. She, if she was willing to go down the full progressive route, blow up the filibuster, pass the democratic agenda um, uh, unchanged, um, you would have had a different set of accomplishments um, by the Biden administration, possibly. Uh, but you had Joe Manchin, and it's been widely reported that there were other Democrats happy to hide behind Manchin and Cinema, uh, taking all uh, the arrows from the progressive movement. 
but also had some skepticism about the specifics or the size of, of uh, for instance, Build Back uh, Better. Um, so I, I, I think she probably, I, I don't know if she had been an I vote on all that, that it, that it would have passed anyway. Um, and certainly not with the filibuster in place. But doesn't that, doesn't that reality tell you that maybe the Democratic Party isn't as unhinged as, as they're made out to be? I mean, they seem like they're keeping their more radical part of their party in check. And, well, Biden, and it's Biden not is, the dominant yeah, Biden part of, of and the And that's party. what I'm talking about. But he got elected. I mean, he they, they, they turned to him. They turned to him for their nominee. They didn't, they didn't elect but, but, Bernie Sanders. They didn't elect, ran uh, on, you know, a platform that he negotiated with Bernie Sanders. And, and he has largely pursued a Sanders agenda that has failed in the Senate. And to the extent there have been things that have passed, it's been more the centrist uh, getting it done and, and Biden going along uh, with it. So when I say it's the center of gravity, I don't mean that it's exclusive. Um, there are probably a handful of uh, Democrats on any particular issue that aren't necessarily um, fully aligned with the progressive agenda. But the center of gravity of the party, I think, is in woke progressivism. And uh, that's where Biden uh, has... That's what Biden has advocated for um, to the extent there's been legislative successes. It's because cinema and others uh, have gone in a different direction. So let's, let's dive into just one specific thing that's getting a lot of um, attacks. One of the, so the, the inflation reduction act, which you call the fraudulently fraudulent name, um, because it really is about other things. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it seemed like they just named it right. that because inflation right. is what they're being attacked for politically, even though the bill is not, it could have been named something totally different and it probably would look weird in a couple <laughs> of years historically to look at that, uh, to, to look at that, um, to look at that name. So the things it does is it creates a, a minimum corporate in income tax, um, prescription drug price sort of fix. Um, but the IRS, so this IRS thing, um, the IRS thing has gotten a lot of attacks uh, from Republicans. And a lot of them say, oh, they're hiring. I, I forget the exact number. They're, they say like 87 million or something, 87,000. Republicans keep repeating that they're, that they're going to hire this many IRS agents and that, and that the, and that they're going to come after you and, and, and attack you. And, um, like the FBI is raiding Mar-a-Lago. So, but, but what's, what's the, let's cut through the sort of the polit the political attacks on it. What's, what's, what's really going on? Like they're just beefing up the way I understand it. They're just investing more money to actually enforce the, the tax law. How worried should people be about um, the power of the IRS here? Um, both sides are uh, distorting the reality of 
uh, what Congress has has passed and Biden has uh, signed. Um, it's an attempt to increase the revenues of the federal government by using audits to increase tax compliance. And you can hear some large estimates of uh, how much is lost uh, by people um, not paying everything that they owe in, in taxes. Uh, and um, there's large amounts of money uh, that are projected to be procured for the federal government by increasing the number of audits that are done uh, to increase uh, tax compliance. The Biden administration claims that this increased audit focus will not be um, uh, directed at uh, anyone making under $400,000 a year. That's been sort of Biden's definition of demarcation, where he's going and going after people to get more money for the federal government, making over 400000 but you're going to protect everybody under $400,000. Um, uh, that's simply not going to be uh, the case. Uh, Janet uh, Yellen uh, has announced a policy, the Secretary of Treasury, that the share of audits of those under 400000 a year uh, isn't to increase, um, but the overwhelming majority of audits presently are of people who make less than $400,000 a year. So if you increase audits in general and you maintain or maintain the share of those audits uh, that uh, are directed at those who earn less than $400,000 a year, you're going to have a lot more audits of people who make less than $400,000 a year. On the other hand, uh, you're still going to be auditing a very small percentage of returns. Uh, and so it's not that you're going to have these armies of, um, so I'm getting to the distortion on the Republican side. It's not as though you're going to have uh, these armies of, of IRS agents invading every small business and uh, everyone making uh, less than $400,000 a year. Uh, even with this beefed up auditing capability, um, being subject to uh, an audit at any level of income uh, will still be a very rare event. And a certain percentage of the audits are done randomly and your chances of being randomly selected for an audit are exceedingly small and will remain exceedingly small. Or there are certain things that target their trigger uh, in audit that, that the IRS looks for in returns. And if that's in an audit, that's, that, that is more likely to, to trigger a, a review. I, I am personally skeptical of claims that have been made at the federal level and the state level at what uh, increased auditing capabilities will produce. And I've always taken the position that you shouldn't count on that money until it's actually produced. Um, I don't, I'm skeptical of the estimates of what we lose in terms of tax compliance. Um, but in reality, I think your initial reaction that the Republicans are making more out of this than uh, should be made is correct. Uh, but on the other hand, 
the representations of the Biden administration as to the impact uh, are um, also not fully accurate. So that's the Inflation Reduction Act. It's actually projected to reduce the federal deficit, but the student debt cancellation might actually end up reversing that. So um, well, the student debt thing might also get blocked by the, by the court. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, um, uh, with those laws. Um, but last question here. So this might be the true test of where the Democratic Party is really headed. Uh, so who do you see as the likely successor to President Biden for the Democrats? Should he maybe not decide to run in 24 or potentially down the road? Who's, who do you think is, is next up as a potential uh, presidential contender for the Democrats? It, it, it seems to me that it's wide open. I mean, the, the 2020 uh, turned out to be a battle of the geriatrics. It was Joe Biden against Bernie Sanders. Um, and uh, I don't think that Kamala Harris, as vice president, uh, has um, created any degree of confidence that uh, she's someone that can step into the first chair. Um, you have Mayor Pete, um, who gets mixed reactions uh, in terms of his handling of the transportation uh, portfolio. Um, so I think it's pretty wide open. Yeah, I think I think Mayor Pete's pretty compelling just in his in his messaging style and he gets a lot of enthusiasm for um, like for example when he when he showed up in in Arizona a little while ago. Um, also I like I mean I like Cory Booker. I've always liked Cory Booker. He seems like just a very positive, happy uh happy persona that could be potentially healing uh for the nation. Um and also maybe have you heard much about uh Jared Polis over at governor of, uh, of Colorado. Uh, yes, he, he, um, is developing a, an impressive record uh, in Colorado as a pragmatic liberal. Um, there's no question that he comes from the left, but he also seems to have kind of a common sense approach and, and turns him back to some of the, um, less realistic or politically, uh, suspect, uh, elements of the, progressive agenda. Um, and, and he could be a test as to whether um, there is, uh, whether the Democratic Party has indeed um, gotten a little bit more conservative where a pragmatic uh, liberal would would have a chance. I, I have my doubts, uh, but he is a good example of someone who could run in that lane. All right. Well, let's leave it there for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Political Notebook podcast. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you.